This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. think it's not a, a manly thing to show affection. No, show love to your wife. Show love to your children. Show love to your family so the younger man can say, this man loves his wife. He loves his children unconditionally. Set the example. And so he also has to be sound in patience, perseverance, endurance, patience that enables a man or a woman of God to stay the course, to stick it out. There are a lot of stereotypes that we can accidentally bring into our faith when we get saved. The world has their own definitions for things, and when we get saved, we must renew our mind so that we can determine what God's will is. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will be talking about what biblical manhood should look like. The Bible is clear and practical for how to live as a biblical man or woman so that the world can see Christ in us. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Titus chapter 2. As he continues his message, Qualities of a Sound Church. In verses, verses 2 all the way to verse 10, Paul's going to list five groups that are in the church. He lists for us five groups in the church, looking at the church as a whole, and he's going to address those five groups in the church. And for those of you who are taking notes, in verse 2, he's going to address the older men, the older men in the church. That's in verse 2. In verse 3, he's going to address the older women in the church, Older women, verse 3. Younger women, in verses 4 and 5. Younger women, in verses 4 and 5. The younger men, in verse 6. And then, bond servants, slaves, or today we call them employees. So, every one of us, mostly all of us, work. We have an employer. It's going to tell that group of people how they ought to live. But it's going to give them sound doctrine. How you should live. Now, let's look at verse 2. He begins by saying that the older men, the older men, we looked at the Greek word prepateros, and that's elder. Here is not the same as another older man. It speaks of one who's old in age. And so just before we go through the age groups here, because they're older men, younger men, older women, younger women, and I know all of us fit in the younger category. I just want to be polite, okay? What is an older man? What, is he, what age group? We don't know. We're not sure. However, according to an ancient Greek physician by the name Hippocrates, he's the father of medicine. He was around 460 BC to around 370 BC, and he divided the age group in his time. And this is the age group, okay? I know everybody fits in the 15 to 21, but I just want to, I just want to give it all, okay? According to Hippocrates, in the ancient Greek time, he would say birth, you know, child is from birth to seven, boy ages eight to 14. And so, you know, you see the group there, okay? And I know everybody again. 
I want to be careful, especially when it gets to the ladies. I'm just going to be careful. And so if you're looking at this and you're not in the category, you know, I want to apologize for the historical facts, okay? I'm not trying to offend you. I just want to let you know the responsibilities ultimately. Now, the bottom line is, is whether you're a man, a grown man, a grown woman, regardless of what age group, we have to set an example to the world and those younger than us. We have to set the example. It's not only an example in life, but also spiritually as believers in Christ. Old men are to be an example for younger men. Okay? Older women must be an example for younger women. And that's the key. But he's going to give us, he's going to address these groups. And so the first group, uh, the older men, and there are four characteristics they ought to have to be a sound church, and he addresses the old men. So let's look at verse two. The older men must be, number one, sober. He must be sober, and that is to be focused, earnest, discerning, discreet. And there are many reasons why we're to be sober, to be alert. I'll give you one. First Timothy chapter five, verse eight says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Listen, he's not out of business. He still has a bag of tricks left before Christ comes. And he's going to go after you as much as he can. Especially the men in the house. And this is important because almost 90% of the people in prison are people without fathers. And now it gets even worse now that we live in a generation, a time where this wokeness are trying to make men like women. And if a man is a, wants to be a man the way God created him, all of a sudden now he's, he's a bad guy. And let me tell you something. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you be a man. You be the man God has called you to be. You be the man of your household. And according to scripture, to be a man in the house, uh, to be married to a woman, there are the three Ps I always say. Three Ps for a man. If you want to be a man, here's the thing. Some of these kids, they want to be men. These boys, they want to be men. You want to be a man, my father say. When you, you know when you're a man? When you're working, you pay for your own bills, and you're living on your own, under your own roof. That's a man. And so it's responsibility. They don't know what responsibility is. But you want to be a man? You want to be married to a woman? Three Ps. For those of you who have sons, three Ps. But those of you who have daughters, make sure the husbands they pick has three Ps. Priest, provider, protector. Very simple. Priest is household. That's, that's biblical. He's to provide. He needs to get a job. And he's to protect his family. Those are the three. He doesn't have any of those things. Find someone else. God would send. There's a lot. God is faithful. So anyway, don't want to get off. He's to be sober. Second, he's to be reverent. Dignified. In other words, he is a man who is not frivolous, trivial, or superficial. He's to be reverent. Thirdly, he's to be temperate. He's to exercise self-control. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. If you say, oh, I can't control yourself, then you have a problem. It's not biblical. It's obviously, it's the flesh. In the same way, it's not a sin to be angry. The Bible says get angry, but don't sin. Don't be quick to anger. Self-control. Calm, cool, collective. Number four, he is to be 
sound, and that means healthy. We already looked at that word, healthy. And, and, and he's to be sound, and he adds like subdivisions. These are the three virtues. In, he's to be sound, and he's to be sound, number one, in faith. It's faithfulness, trusting in God and everything. And we have to set the example to the younger men in the house how they ought to live by faith, trust God in faith. It's not always trying to, you know, make it work for you and, and solve it yourself. And, and trust me, that's pretty much what I try to do most of the time. But I've learned, hey, you know what? Before I take matters into my own hands, let me pray about it. That's the example they ought to set. And he's to be sound in love. Love here is, uh, is the agape love, unconditional love. We're to share that. Men are not affectionate as women are. And we think it's not a, a manly thing to show affection. No, show love to your wife. Show love to your children. Show love to your family so the younger man can say, this man loves his wife, he loves his children unconditionally. Set the example. And so he also has to be sound in patience, perseverance, endurance, patience that enables a man or a woman of God to stay the course. Just stick it out. When things get tough, you stay the course at all costs. You know, we give up so quickly and understand we, are, we have younger men that are watching us. Oh, I don't want to deal with it. No, deal with it. Godly in a godly way, of course. To be patient. Stay the course. Older men must know they believe the word of God, they must show that they believe the God, the doctrinal convictions that comes into our hearts that lined up with the word of God so we set the example to those that are younger than us. Now the second group of people are the older women. Not here today, but (laughs) if you know anybody in that category, (laughs) and there are five things the older women in the house of God must have. Number one, the older woman, likewise, just as it was the instruction for the older men, uh, likewise, that they be, number one, reverent in behavior. Notice what's added to the reverent behavior. It's behavior. In other words, the older woman ought to live in a way that honors God, showing the younger women, the ladies, how they ought to honor God. Reverent in behavior. Number two, not slanderers. Not slanderers. Listen, let's be real. I'm going to say this carefully, but women do like to talk. I got my wife's permission with that one anyway. But, and what happens? Conversations, get into gossip, and then you start slandering. Now, interestingly, the Greek word for slander is the word diabolos. To accuse falsely, attack the reputation of another. But did you know, if you look at that word devil in your Bible in the Greek, it's the same Greek word, diabolos. Interestingly, but you could also pronounce in Spanish, diablo. Diablo. I remember I came from a Spanish Pentecostal church and that's the first thing I learned about the devil, the devil, Diablo. I heard more about the devil than Jesus Christ. And I said, God, leave, listen, let God deal with him. Let's talk about Jesus. <laughs> anyway, 
this is important. Now, this applies to all of us. Neither one, whether women, male, female, regardless of what age, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you shouldn't be slandering anyone. We have absolutely no reason, and there is no reason that a Christian should slander anybody. Your tongue, the tongue that's in your mouth, that you, you use to glorify and worship God, should slander no one, whether believer or not. You should be known of a person that encourages people, not slander. Diabolos. Think about the devil. Well, don't think about him, but you know what I'm saying. Number three, not giving too much wine. This is a strong phrase that refers to drunkenness. And so she is not to be a heavy drinker or slave to the wine. Number four, teachers of good things. In other words, she is to teach what is holy and godly. Paul is not saying, hey, I want you to teach him about Socrates. <laughs> no, teach him about the things of God, the ways of God. And then finally, they're to teach the younger women and we'll get into the next group. So verse 4 says that they, the older women, are to, number 5, admonish the younger women. So the older woman has experience in being a wife, homemaker, has experience of being a mother. You encourage the other younger women what it is to honor their husband, love their husband, not talk negative about him, even to your closest friend. You're to honor your husband. Care for your children. You're responsible for them. And I remember when Judy gave birth to Annie, my, my firstborn, and it was amazing how the family and friends, we had family, we had friends, we had neighbors, we had people in the church just giving Judy all kinds of advice. And it was great sending her stuff, even after the, the baby shower, just sending her stuff and, how you doing, hey, you need help with any? It's just, this is what it's all about. And many of you have been there when you had your first child, those of you who are young, had your child, right? You know what it's like when people or other are just encouraging you, just giving you a heads up. And so, and that brings us to the third group of people in the church, the younger women. Now, there are seven things the younger women in the church and the house of God must learn from the older women, and they must have. It says, verse 4, that they, the older women, admonish the younger women, number one, to love their husbands, to love their husbands. Now, the word love here, it goes without saying. She's to love her husband, an unconditional love, an agape love. But the love here is not the agape love, nor is it a romantic one. This is a love that is directed towards a husband from a wife. And it is the Greek word philandros, a philandros and it is only mentioned once here. It's only mentioned once here. That Greek word is only mentioned once, and it means Husband loving. Husband loving. And what it's trying to say is that the younger wives are to have a love for their husband that's like a a friendship love. A love where you're interested in the things he's interested in. That you're his friend and you're by his side. That's the kind of love because the feel part comes from phileo, right? Brotherly love. It's in that same thing. It's it's towards the husband, to love your husband to the point where you become friends. Number two, to love their children. Most of the time, you have to tell a mom to love her child. Mothers love their children. Love, 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 love. 
you know, sometimes they love their children too much that they place their children above their husbands. That's a no-no. That's not biblical. Wives, you call to your husband. Kids come and go. They grow, they go. Okay? That's the way it happens. But until death do your part, you call to your husband. And there's been a problem. And I've seen that sometimes. You know, we've counseled, you and I counseled couples, and uh, we find when there's children, children are placed above the husband. No. The husband is number one. Because they're going to leave. But the love here also is only mentioned here. This love for mothers. It's also, and it's philotechnos, and it, it means child loving. But we're, mothers already love their children. Why is he asserting another Greek love word here? It's only mentioned here, just like the love for the husband. It's only mentioned here, nowhere else. Well, the love here is that it's a love that needs to be, listen, mothers, controlled. You know, mommy, you have those mommy goggles on. And you look at your child, and there's nothing wrong. Oh, they could sing like a bird. Meanwhile, the police are coming. Hey, what's that noise? It's your child. It's your child. You say he sings off. And then there's like running all over the roof, and they're swinging the cat by the tail. Oh, he's so adorable. That's the love that needs to be controlled, because sometimes mothers love their children so much that what do they say when they misbehave? Wait till your father gets home. Wait till your father. As a matter of fact, I grew up in the 70s and there was a cartoon called Wait Till Your Father Gets Home. I mean, if you know that, don't raise your hand because I don't want you to put you in a category. You're young. Wait till your father gets home. That's what my, parents, my mother always said that. Now, that doesn't mean my mother didn't discipline us, but when it was like, that's it. You're going to get it, but I'm, you know, I can't hurt you, you know? And that's the problem where the mother, if she really loves her child, she has to discipline the child must discipline the child. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, writes this. He, and that implies to the she, and the you know, masculine pronoun in here doesn't mean that women are excluded. He who spares his rod hates his son. You don't discipline a child. According to body, you hate. And it's the truth to that because if you really love them, you raise them up well. But he who loves him disciplines him Properly. We need to underline properly. Because quite often, we always used to give limits to our children. If you don't stop by the count of three, right? Or if you don't stop by the time I count to ten. And what do you think they're going to stop at nine and a half? Kids know this. Oh, you make empty threats. Kids, you must discipline them. And let me tell you, you know, working in, in the city as a police officer, I've seen... 14, 15-year-old kids get brought into the, to the station house. And I remember one time it was a 14 or 15-year-old kid was there. And every time I see a teenager, now they can't be in the cells. They kind of put in a room in a chair. And so I always try to, an opportunity to witness the gospel to them just because, you know, it always breaks my heart to see these kids. One kid didn't want to talk to me at all. He didn't give me a time of day no matter what I did or say. And I, and I talked to the officer who was, watching him. He said, what's, what's his story? And he said, no, he's here because he beat up his grandfather. I don't know if his grandmother, but it's a grandparent. I said, what? Really? Yeah, that's nothing. He was here about a couple of months ago. He beat up his father or mother, something like that. So he went from grandparents to back, and there's 15, and you see them in there also because they had guns. 
You know, it's a sad thing. If they're not disciplined at home, the legal system, the government's going to punish them. And they're not good at punishing either. They reward them and they send them back out. It's a problem. But parents, if you love your child, discipline. Number three, (laughs) to be discreet, temperate. In other words, she used to exercise self-control. Number four, chaste. No, she's pure. Younger women, Christy wife is true to her husband in mind, heart, and in action. Number five, homemaker or keeper at home. She's not a prisoner. And now, right now, we live in a world where they say, oh, well, listen, I don't care what the world says. I'm telling you what the Bible says. Okay? I love the fact that my wife is home. The Bible doesn't forbid a woman to have a job outside, but the Bible does tell her what she needs to do. She needs to be a homemaker. In the Greek, it gives the idea that she is to be busy at home. Busy at home. Her primary responsibility, her business at home, taking care of the kids, raising her kids, because they're much better at the kids. Okay? I don't know how Judy did it, but she did it. And let me tell you, with her... She had surgery not too long ago, and all of us realized, wow, without Judy in the, in the house doing what she normally does, we're a mess. <laughs> even my dogs don't even know what to do. <laughs> I feed my dogs. My dog is looking at I have a greedy dog. He eats anything, but he's looking at me like, and he's like <laughs> something's not right here. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest, you know, Coffee every morning, right? I have the drip coffee. You know, you think that's simple to operate. I didn't know how to operate it. <laughs> and no lie, we're in church. God is my witness. I just learned how to use a dishwasher. Yeah. My wife did what she, and she does it best. Better than me. And I tried making the coffee thing, by the way, never came out good. And I would tell Judy, Judy, you make it better. And she probably thought I was trying to fake incompetency. You know, I said, no, I can do it. No, I can't. You do it, but I became a pro. I know how to do this thing. By the way, I know how to sew. I have my own sewing machine, by the way. Yes? I know how to iron. Judy can tell you, I taught her how to iron my shirts. I know how to sew. I know how to take care of my clothes. And Judy can tell you that. But... The Bible says she's to be a homemaker. Let me tell you, it's not passing, but this is biblical the way it is. It's the way God had ordained it from the very beginning in the garden, okay? And God hasn't changed. It's God same yesterday, today, forever. The same God that we worship today is the same God that, you know, was that created heaven and earth. And in the beginning, before the fall, he created man, before the woman. And so it's not about value because women always say, oh, well, God values men better. No, it's order. Because the same way you look at scripture, scripture, Jesus said, the son submits to the father in the same way. We're so glad you decided to join us here today on Running the Race. Pastor Eddie is making his way through the book of Titus in this series. In Titus chapter 3, Paul holds up a mirror to show us who we were and are in reality. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us 
not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Isn't it extraordinary all that God has done to turn your life around? Running the Race is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. And here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Thanks, Jessica. Head over right now and start exploring all the resources available to you. And we'll see you here next time for more on Running the Race. Running the Race.